You play an eight ball, right? Yeah. I can't resist this. I got to show you people in the shop. Yo, yo, we in the middle of a game here, man. Right to play an eight ball, right? Right before you rap. It's nothing. Ain't going to bother you, game. Where you see this, you ain't going to believe it. Go line them up like this. Hey, you gonna show us a trick shot, Carlito? No trick shot. This is magic time. After you see this shot, you're gonna give up your religious beliefs. Oh, Kikeya, man, you gotta check this out. Carlito's doing one of his tricks. Well, shots, man. I ain't done counting yet. You wanna call me, hermano? Help yourself. <laughs> Took me six months to learn this shit. Six months? You gotta help me, though. Sure. See this? Over the top. Okay. So how's your boss? Oh, he's good, man. You know, I saw him this morning. You gotta put your finger right here. Right on top of the 12 to hold it. See? Like that? That's right. See, you gotta get even with that. So you didn't hear the news. What news? Yo, there's no beer down here, man. <laughs> sure, way down in the bottom. <laughs> Me and Clive Basin working on this. You looking at that man? Let me have your cue. Okay, line them up. Even? They look even to me. Come on, Kikeya, bro. What news? life had a face I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck like that one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 338, Carlito's Way. And this is listener request number 48, courtesy of Thomas. So we are inching closer to listener request number 50. Wow. Out of nowhere. Yeah, really. Never expected. Pacino, De Palma, they were like, you know, people just didn't get it the first time. <laughs> Let's run it back. We got to give it another go. Let's run it back. Yeah. Yeah, we've been sitting on this one for a while, so hopefully Thomas has stuck with us through the months. But we wanted to save this listener request for a little while just because of the similarities to Scarface, which we just covered last November. So when Thomas did this request, I think towards the end of December, beginning of January, I felt like we needed to wait a little bit. I think that's fair. Granted, 
it's been nine months plus, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you for your patience. We've gotten to it now. Carlito's Way, 1993, but we've got so much to get through first. If you have a listener request like Thomas, then I'll update you now and say that over the weekend, we've now moved into February of 2024. So oh. don't delay in getting those in. We still have 2023 prices for the rest of the year, but we have limited slots for 2024. $50 will get you a movie up to two and a half hours, and $75 will take you to three hours. So let us know on X slash Twitter at Greatest Pod, and please make sure you follow us as well. You can either send us a tweet or an X or whatever they're called. Mm. Or slide into the DMs. Yeah. I would say we prefer email, though. Email as well. Greatestpod at gmail.com. I've been interacting and conversing with plenty of you over the weeks and months. I'd love to hear from more of you. Please continue to send in your stories about movies. If you have done a listener request with us, we'd love to hear your personal story about the film why you like it, when yeah. you first saw it, any connection. But if you don't have that with your listener request, then feel free to share about any movie, really. I just received a fun drive-in theater story oh, that good. will be read at some point. Not right. in this one, because we've got a backlog now of emails, but we'll get to it. Yeah. In the real um, spirit of the show, just send us your like horrifying, awkward experiences. We always love to share those. We try to tie them into movies, but... Not always the case. Anything to do with films, renting films, oh yeah, going to the theater, seeing films for the first time, sleepovers, slumber parties, seeing a movie with a girl. It doesn't have to be a salacious or crazy story. It could be a sweet story, something about your mom or dad or whatever. We just want to hear those, and, and that's a good prompt for emails, greatestpod at gmail.com. And you can also reach out for... Stickers, questions, comments, concerns, whatever you want. Back in business for stickers. Yeah, please hit us up for the stickers. Those are free, and we'd love you to put it on your car, your laptop, your guitar, whatever you want. Anything, any surface that (laughs) could be improved with a sticker. Yeah. (laughs) And finally, find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983 and Matt Crosby. So let's get into Carlito's Way, 1993. Directed by Brian De Palma, screenplay by David Kep, based on two novels by Judge Edwin Torres, hmm. Carlito's Way from 1975, and After Hours from 1979. Ah, not the inspiration for Scorsese's movie? No, in fact, this film is more based on After Hours, the okay. book, but chose the title from the other book because of the Scorsese film from... Understandable. Eight years prior. But this would be 10 years after Scarface, right? Wasn't that 83? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We're, we're reuniting the team, and it, it goes beyond just De Palma and Pacino, but we'll get more into that as of we course, go. Of uh, course, David Kep, believe, uh, adapted Jurassic Park, right? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. one of the big time. big time screenwriters who's had a long and storied career, for sure. A wide range of subject matter, too, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably one of the secrets to being a successful screenwriter is being able to write about any number of things in any number of genres. The budget for Carlito's Way was $30 million. The box office was $64 million, so it did okay. Wasn't a huge monster hit. And 
we were discussing before pressing record the legacy of the film and i think that one of the recurring themes that will come up throughout the episode is that there are a lot of echoes of other films in carlito's way and before people really started to key in on the artistry and what De Palma's doing with the camera work and the editing and the movement and all of that stuff. Story-wise, I think it was sort of lost in the shuffle. My impression without seeing it was I always sort of thought of this as like a Pacino B movie. <laughs> this was not Pacino's A material. That's just what my impression was from its, its existence without, without ever seeing it. It's definitely not <laughs> because I've seen his B movies. Yeah. This is definitely still an A movie. Yeah. Well, but Righteous I think Kill it, is like an F. That's like a Pacino F movie. Which one? Righteous Kill. No, Jack and Jill. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. Maybe Jack and Jill is secretly great because of the Dunkachino thing, but <laughs> I don't know. For those of you who have never seen Carlito's Way or would like to rewatch it for the purposes of listening to this podcast, right now it is a streaming rental only. It is not available for free anywhere although of course there's some physical media options as well and i guess while we're on the subject i'll point out that i noticed that another recent listener request arrival had just made its way onto netflix so if you're going back through the catalog of episodes that is a good one noticed i don't know where we said arrival was streaming at the time but it's on netflix now you want to watch me getting emotional (laughs) stop over while i'm watching the end of arrival okay yeah Carlito's Way marks the second collaboration between Al Pacino and De Palma after 1983's Scarface, which we covered last November in episode number 291. I can't believe we've done that many episodes. This is 338. Oh my gosh. It is ridiculous. Pacino actually isn't the only actor to return. Al Israel, Angel Salazar, Jorge Purcell, Michael P. Moran, and Cesar Cordova also appear in both productions. Wow. However, this time Pacino is portraying a Puerto Rican man instead of a Cuban one. So there you go. There's a difference. They do uh, make a joke about him looking Italian. (laughs) Yeah, well, multiple times is it brought up. (laughs) Carlito's Way initially received mixed reviews from critics with a lukewarm result at the box office, though general reception to the film has improved in the subsequent years since its release. I don't want to make a direct comparison to Speed Racer, but mm-hmm. when we got this listener request, I had a similar reaction. I'm way more familiar with this film than I was Speed Racer because I've seen this movie. But okay. well, there you go. The reaction of not being surprised because I've noticed an uptick in uh. people discussing Carlito's Way, I think especially amongst De Palma heads, this one has become a big one. Probably because it was a little underrated, sure. looked looked over, yeah. tucked in there. And all of the artistry is there. It's not as flamboyant sure. or as bombastic as Scarface, but it's just as daring with the camera techniques I and know, the, the movement. Camera, the camera movement in his movies, always noticeable, very flowing, weaving all over the place. Yeah, and there's a lot of similarities, too, in some of the huge operatic death sequences very reminiscent of dress to kill and body double and that kind of stuff too so there's like that little bit of you almost want to say giallo influence tucked into these movies 
Only in those scenes, though, because Carlito's way is 98% not that. Right. But then the two t- moments with Sean Penn's character, one in his office by the elevator and then in the hospital. Yes. And then also, of course, the big finale there right. at the end with Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Those feel very reminiscent to Michael Caine and Dressed to Kill. Just Absolutely. all of a sudden, somebody looks bizarre and out of place and the music and the way the camera moves around right a lot of huge sweeping movements extended shots i would call this art house gangster but on a grand scale because there have been art house gangster films that are true low budget indie operations this movie has a 30 million dollar budget with big Big hollywood people but it is still very art house style. Totally. There isn't as much emphasis on people getting whacked or a lot of action or violence. That's there, but it's limited to the right moments. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. There is a carryover stylistically from Dress to Kill. That At some point, I feel like sort of De Palma was playing less with doing that style, but it's still present here. Pacino first heard about the character Carlito Brigante in a YMCA gym in New York City in 1973. Pacino was working out for his movie Serpico when he met New York State Supreme Court Judge Edwin Torres, Hmm. the author who was writing the novels Carlito's Way and After Hours. When the novels were completed, Pacino read them and liked them, especially the character of Carlito. Inspiration for the novels came from Torres's background, the East Harlem Barrio, where he was born in its atmosphere of gangs, drugs, and poverty. In 1989, Pacino faced a $6 million lawsuit from producer Elliot Kastner. Kastner claimed Pacino had gone back on an agreement to star in his version of a Carlito movie with Marlon Brando as criminal lawyer David Kleinfeld. Oh. The suit was dropped, and the project was abandoned. I'm very curious as to what that would have been like. I know. <laughs> It has all of the makings of a potential disaster, but also maybe something cool. You never know. (laughs) Hard to picture Brando in in that role at that time period. Well, he probably would have just done it completely different. Yeah. A lot of the choices Sean Penn makes in this movie were his choices. Okay, (laughs) I don't think anyone was telling him (laughs) to do this. Pacino went to producer Martin Bregman, who you may remember from the Scarface episode. He's his guy. He'd get it done. Yep with the intention of getting a Carlito Brigante film made and showed him an early draft of a screenplay, which Bregman rejected. Both Bregman and Pacino agreed that the character of Brigante would provide a suitable showcase for Pacino's talents. Bregman approached screenwriter David Kep, who had just finished writing the script for Bregman's forthcoming The Shadow, and asked him to write the script for Carlito's Way. The decision came that the screenplay would be based on the second novel after hours. Carlito, at this stage, would match closer with Pacino's age. Although based primarily on the second novel, the title Carlito's Way remained because of Scorsese's film, Bregman would work closely with Kep for two years to develop the shooting script for Carlito's Way. This is a situation that has come up plenty of times throughout the podcast history. Sometimes it's both of us. Very rarely is it just me. (laughs) But Sometimes it's just Matt, and this is Matt's first time watching Carlito's Way, so I wanted to give him the opportunity to kind of give his first take, general thoughts, opinions, what have you, reaction. The the big thing for me was Pacino being the more understated role. Like, Sean Penn 
I, I was not expecting this performance from him at all. This is like a different role for <laughs> he has charisma and can be a little crazy and shit, but this is yeah something I've never seen out of him before. This is more akin to a Nicolas Cage type performance. He's really yeah, going for something. Totally. Almost shocking the fictional characters in the movie. <laughs> They're like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, there are several times when Carlito, you almost imagine him looking over at him and just being like, are you fucking serious? Right, like, what it, are you doing? <laughs> Stop doing that. And he does sort of, but in a more deadpan way of just yeah. like, all right, would you knock this shit off? What but are you doing? You're just like expecting the Pacino, you know, fuck the fucking Diaz brothers. She's got a great ass like this stuff. Yeah. But it's really like understated and all that type of stuff is really coming from Sean Penn. Oh, yeah. Carlito is so calm, cool, collected throughout the whole movie. I and it's very different from what you would expect from Pacino. The most, or at least for what I recognize, quotable moments from him are the things that have been like isolated over time and replayed as the, okay, I'm reloaded or whatever. Like, <laughs> Well, that Here Comes the Pain is yeah, from Slipknot. True. <laughs> We'll get into some of that stuff. This has sort of become Scarface adjacent with yeah. it being referenced in pop culture. It's nowhere n- near that level. Scarface probably has made 10 times its budget oh. just on merchandise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let posters. alone anything else. Yeah, <laughs> posters and posters. commemorative cigars or something. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember, like, and I think I probably talked about this on the Scarface episode. Every episode that I watched of MTV Cribs, like, everyone owned a DVD of Scarface. <laughs> Carlito's Way, though, I think is a perfect example of something we're missing in 2023. It's this mid-level adult drama that's all about the craftsmanship, the stars. It's very mid-range, meaning it's not super high budget. It's not Oscars bait, but it could potentially be in the mix if things break its right way. Mm -hmm. There used to be movies like that. Yeah, It wasn't gunning for Oscars, but it could happen. People weren't ruling it out if it went well. And those movies, like so many others, have kind of evaporated now where they would look at this and say, can we make it super cheap or can we make it super expensive and not let the director have any artistic control? Or is this more in in line with something that HBO or Netflix or something would want to do and not for the theater because financially we can't make it make sense or, or whatever the story is? The other thing I should point out about my initial reaction is the fact that they give it away. Right in the opening credits. Yeah. Like where it's heading. Oh, yeah. There's definitely no mystery about where it's going. I'm not really sure why. I feel like it's one of those things where they want to make it hard on themselves. How can we still get the audience to be so invested leading up to the end, even though we already gave it away? Yeah, and based on a lot of the comments I was seeing under YouTube videos from this movie, people felt that way. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of people saying, man, I really wish... He was going to pull it out, or I kept hoping he was going to make it this time, as if they hadn't already seen it or whatever. But I guess they want you to be surprised at how it happens, and then hopefully you might forget. That's always the magic trick with these movies that tell you the end first. A A lot of them do it, and then they hope that they can give you two hours and 20 minutes of stuff that makes you forget that. You'll be so distracted by Sean Penn's erratic behavior. (laughs) And his hair. (laughs) Really, that did jump out as well. Carlito's Way reminds me a little bit of the Safties. It's not quite as high strung, but you could make it that way. Sure. For sure, because there is definitely like Indiana Jones sliding towards the closing 
booby trap and having to get out from under right at the last second. You're not mm-hmm. sure if he's going to make it. And that's sort of Carlito, especially the second half of the film. Totally. It's like a ticking clock now. We know that something's going to happen because of something Kleinfeld does. And then it's just a matter of can he get out of it with all these different things. And that whole sequence leading into the finale of the film in the train station, it kind of felt like Uncut Gems or Good Time a little bit where you're like one more thing thrown That's in front right. of him and then yeah. he somehow gets out of that and then it another is thing like and another thing. really extended too. Like it keeps going on. Yeah. It also reminded me a little bit of the film Collateral. Oh, yeah. With Tom Cruise the and Michael Jamie Mann. Fox, the Michael Mann movie. Yeah. Obviously, Carlito is a criminal and Jamie Foxx's character, the, the cab driver, is a good guy mm-hmm. the whole time. But there's something about Fox's performance and that character in Collateral that reminds me of Carlito a little bit and how in Carlito's case, he's getting sucked back into it. In Fox's case in Collateral, he's sort of having to adapt on the fly and just sort of becoming this guy to get through it. I don't know. I think like a vibe was similar to me. I think that in 93, we weren't sure exactly what we had initially and it took some real time to oh, get sure. there and now we're into the the reevaluations and the realizations like oh yeah this actually was pretty awesome and we don't really get things like this very often totally <laughs> what movie released in the last five ten years is like carlito's way there's not many <laughs> i think De palma kept people on their heels with a lot of his work in terms of i think it, there was always like this weird adjustment for people with his work you mean from a content standpoint or yeah. just the way that it's presented both yeah. And there's some real weird ones weaved into that filmography. Yeah, but not your regular Joe moviegoer yeah. is not thinking who the director is. Well, okay, that's fair. They aren't seeing Mission Impossible or The Untouchables and thinking about, oh, you can see a woman's asshole in body double. Yeah, yeah. If that's what you mean. Like, because the is movies what are I like mean. salacious <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, and they're not thinking about, like, oh, Dress to Kill is like fucked up and violent. Nobody's like associating that when they're seeing Mission Impossible or whatever his mm-hmm. mainstream stuff is. We would and yeah. feel like cinephiles and people of that nature, but I don't really sure. think that mainstream audiences are. Yeah, yeah. I would think they would be more put off just by the artistic choices more right. than anything historically. And one thing that I picked up on in this film, and I have noticed in some of De Palma's work, not all of them, but some of them, weird casting choices in mm-hmm. some of his movies. Not for every part. A lot of people are super well cast in this movie. Yeah. And it's not always the main people. Right. Obviously, you're selling tickets with Pacino and Penn. I'm not talking about the stars. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just filling out parts. Like Tony Tagliolucci, the gangster guy. Yeah. That's the mob boss? I know. He looks like a plumber. He doesn't even look seems, Italian. He seems non-threatening. I don't know if that's offensive to say that he doesn't look Italian. Oh, but. well. I don't know. I just he doesn't seem like a mob guy to me. He just seems like a guy with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but like I've noticed that. I think there's some weird casting in Body Double and some of his other movies too where oh, you're kind of yeah. like this is who you thought looked like this guy? <laughs> what? I don't know. But then sometimes he hits it dead on. They offered it to Liguizamo like four times and he mm. kept turning it down and they like really wanted him and it's like yeah, that He's is perfect, perfect. Yeah. and Luis Guzman is perfect mm-hmm. and Jorge Purcell playing Sasso is perfect, even though he had to learn his lines phonetically and he doesn't actually speak English. Like that stuff is funny. Those guys all kind of adds to like the cartooniness of his presence. Yeah, like everybody kind of fills in, but then you have these weird little things. I guess we can get into 
Penelope Ann Miller later too. I yeah. don't even know if she really makes sense for this part, but maybe she does. I, I don't know. I was looking at her like, oh, that name is very familiar to me. But then I went through her filmography and she's in like a ton of stuff, but I, I don't think I really know her that well. No, she's not really like a huge star. Yeah. She was in what, The Artist? and Yeah, which I actually have never seen. What was her other? Oh, Kindergarten Cop, I think was like her other big movie. Okay. Yeah. At one point, the Long Good Friday director John McKenzie was linked with the film. When Carlito's Way and its sequel, After Hours, were optioned, Martin Bregman had Abel Ferrara in mind. However, when Bregman and Ferrara parted ways, De Palma was brought in. Bregman explained that this decision was not about getting the old team back together rather than making use of the best talent available. De Palma reluctantly (laughs) read the script, and as soon as Spanish-speaking characters cropped up, he feared it would be Scarface all over again. He said that he did not want to make another Spanish-speaking gangster movie. Uh When De Palma finally did read it all the way through, he realized it was not what he thought it was. De Palma liked the script and envisioned it as a noir movie. Bregman supervised casting throughout the various stages of pre-production and carefully selected the creative team who would make the film a reality. Most of the film was filmed on location in New York. De Palma roamed Manhattan searching for suitable visual locations. A tenement on 115th Street became the site of Carlito's homecoming, the barrio scene. The courtroom in which Carlito thanks the prosecutor was shot in Judge Torres's workplace. Oh, wow. The state Supreme Court building at 60 Center Street. The Club Paradise was initially a West Side brownstone, but this was considered too crammed for filming. A multi-level bistro club designed by De Palma took shape at the Kaufman Astoria Studios in Long Island City in a style of 1970s art deco disco. Everything does definitely have like an authentic feel. This world that you're in. The locations. I would say authentic for New York. I don't know that I would agree, though, as far as authentic for 1975. I feel like this movie takes place uh, more out of time. Yeah. I I actually didn't even know that it was supposed to be 75. Yeah. I was, like, associating it with early 90s. Yeah, it feels very believable for late 80s, early 90s, too. okay. The music is definitely more disco, and there is definitely 70s hairstyles and facial hair, Mm -hmm. and a little bit of the clothing. A little bit. But yeah, a lot of it blends into a general Requiem for a Dream time period (laughs) where you're in New York, Royal Tenenbaums also. (laughs) These movies that take place in New York, and they could be present day, or they could be 1965. You're not really sure exactly what's going on, but it didn't bother me there's nothing super anachronistic about it other than a couple of minor things which i will mention but nothing to pull you out of it entirely it's just not convincing that it's 1975 right i agree with that since i didn't even know it was supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) as matt alluded to there is no mystery the first action we see is al pacino being shot in a subway station in black and white over the opening credits in a way that you're pretty sure he's not coming back from Right. right in the chest. It feels ascension into heaven, kind yeah. of afterlifey, right. right from the get-go. Artsy but slow motion. As the movie's going on, I'm like, well, maybe he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah, there's always some possibility. And the fact that they shoot it in black and white makes yeah. you think that it could be undone somehow, whether it's a dream or right. whatever. The big swelling score, looking up at the lights, rush to the hospital, doctors and cops all around. Seems like we know the fate of our lead character already somebody's pulling me close to the ground 
I can sense, but I can't see. I ain't panicked. I've been here before. Same as when I got popped on the fourth street. Don't take me to no hospital, please. Fucking emergency rooms don't save nobody. Some bitches always pop you at midnight when all they got is a Chinese intern with a dull spoon. Oh, look at these suckers scrambling around. What for? My Puerto Rican ass ain't supposed to have made it this far. Most of my crew got washed a long time ago. Don't worry. My heart, it don't ever quit. I ain't ready to check out. Seems like I just got out of the joint, stood up in front of that judge, and told him what was who. And so here we go. We start with the end. Is this the end? The end of Carlito? I think so. He looks into that Paradise advertising sign, and then we flash back. Back to the beginning. In 1975, New York, after having served five years of a 30-year prison sentence, career criminal Carlito Brigante is freed on a legal technicality exploited by his close friend and lawyer, Dave Kleinfeld. They never really get into what the technicality was <laughs> exactly. No, I know. Which I guess is fine. It's not yeah. a legal movie, so Well, I was a little bit confused because I, I guess I don't know what he was supposed to be sentenced to. They made it seem like five years was the sentence, but he's also getting out. No, 30 years. Oh, it was 30. Okay. It was 30 years, yeah. They do reference illegal wiretaps or something. Yeah. It was something in the run-up with the evidence that got him out of jail, but they mm -hmm. don't spend a ton of time fixating on it. Right. But I do love how modest he is in the courtroom. Yeah, it's one of his flashier scenes, totally, yeah. really. And I, there's some shades of Godfather 2 in there. <laughs> they should have had Sean Penn being like, an apology! Al Pacino plays Carlito Brigante, also called Charlie by Gail. Mm -hmm. Pacino came to Carlito's way directly from his Oscar-winning role in Scent of a Woman, to get into the character, he accompanied Torres, the writer, the author, through East Harlem to absorb the sights and atmosphere. Pacino first envisioned Carlito with a ponytail, but after visiting Harlem, he quickly realized such a hairstyle was uncommon among the local men. Although, again... What year, though? Yeah, styles could have changed. Yeah. It's an 18-year difference from 1993 to 1975. Still, I think it was a good call. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't need it. The beard was also Pacino's idea. The black leather coat fit into the period setting and has become kind of the iconic thing from the movie because even yeah. on the cover of the film, it's very clear he's wearing that long black coat. I know. Seems hot. Looks very hot. Well, that does factor into yeah. some of it later. I guess you could say that even by 93, which at this point is 30 years ago, this is mm -hmm. the 30th anniversary of the film, really, Al Pacino was already a living legend, for sure. Yeah. It's embarrassing that he had just won the Oscar for Son of a Woman rather than all of the other movies that he should have won for, but whatever. People knew that he was one of the great actors of our times, and this may be one of the more understated performances, but he's one of those guys that, through sheer force of will, always makes it compelling whether or not it's great. Because I think that a fair amount of people could probably watch Carlito's Way and be a little put off by Pacino's performance. 
he's doing the whole Puerto Rican accent. Yeah. Oh, sure. It's sort of a strange performance. He doesn't get too overly emotional at any point. But, and this fits in with stuff that I was saying, I think maybe in the Seinfeld give us a second, or sometime recently about how things that are, or Reservoir Dogs, when it's just good, it's just good. So Pacino wills a performance out of anything, and I'm not as blown away by some of his other performances, but... but He just has a presence. Yeah, there's a reason he is who he is. Right. A teaser trailer was actually shown in theaters, which began with audio clips of memorable dialogue from previous Al Pacino performances. Hmm. Dog Day Afternoon, 75, Serpico, 73, Godfather, 72, Scarface, 83, Sea of Love, 89, Scent of a Woman, 92, before launching into clips from the actual film. It's kind of a fun way to position a movie. Due to copyright reasons, this trailer hasn't been included on any home video release of the film. And I've never seen that. Yeah. And I've been going to the movies my whole life. I've never seen where they've taken an actor no. and then shown you clips from other movies as a trailer. That's really weird. Yeah, I know. It would be interesting to see. Sean Penn plays David Kleinfeld. For the pivotal role of Carlito's sleazy lawyer and best friend, Penn was lured back from early retirement by the challenge of playing the corrupt lawyer. Yes, In the early 90s, Penn had basically stopped acting for about three years when he was trying to just be a director. I think he took money from this so he could finance The Crossing Guard, which was the movie I think he ended up making with Nicholson, I believe. I'm kind of stuck thinking about if they did that same type of trailer today. The first person that popped in my head was Channing Tatum. (laughs) It's like Magic Mike, Jupiter Ascending. (laughs) The gimp from This is the End. (laughs) His five seconds in The Hateful Eight. Yeah. In addition to being able to fund his own directing projects, Penn also jumped at the opportunity to work with Pacino. De Palma and Penn sat down and discussed what 70s mob lawyers looked like. Penn shaved the hair on the front of his forehead to give the appearance of a receding hairline. I don't know if this is what they looked like, but it's certainly a look. He permed the rest. (laughs) Alan Dershowitz, believing that Penn was attempting to look like him, threatened the filmmakers with a defamation (laughs) lawsuit. (laughs) I guess that means that you think that your hair looks bad then? I don't know. If it's defamation? It's a wild look for Penn. (laughs) There's no way that they could make this movie now with these people playing these parts. Yeah. I'm not going to get into a whole thing, but you can sure see what's going on with Bradley Cooper and totally the Maestro movie. So, I mean, in addition to having Pacino playing a Puerto Rican, now we have right. this going on. <laughs> totally. Did you see who the judge was hmm. in that scene? I didn't recognize Director him. Paul Mazursky. Oh, that was Mazursky. I don't know what he looks like. So Wasn't he in The Sopranos, too? Could be. He did look familiar to me, but I didn't know him as Paul Mazursky. Now, I ain't saying that my way would have been different had my mother been alive when I was a kid, because that's all you hear in the joint. Oh, man, I didn't have a chance. No, no, bullshit. I was already a mean little bastard while my mother was alive, and I know it. But I learned about women from her. Mr. Briganti, there are 56 cases on the court's docket for this morning. Why am I listening to this? Your Honor, if I may, Mr. Brigante is understandably excited, having just been vindicated after five years of incarceration. There's no vindication here, Counselor, or absolution, or benediction, or anything. 
other than an incredible convergence of circumstances which you have exploited to your client's benefit. With all due respect, Your Honor, these circumstances that you speak of include illegal wiretaps and tainted evidence. I mean, this is a classic fruit of a poison tree situation. Now, I think that after five years of unjust incarceration, it is reasonable to request that Mr. Brigante be indulged his right to speak. Okay, Mr. Brigante, I'm all ears. Okay, Your Honor, with all due respect, past and present, and without further to do, let me ensure this court that I am through walking on the wild side. That's all I've been trying to tell you. I have been sick with the social ills known in the ghetto, but my time in the sterling correctional facilities of Greenhaven and Sing Sing has not been in vain. I've been cured, born again like the water gators. I know you heard this rap before. Your Honor, I mean it. This is the truth. I changed. I changed, and it didn't take no 30 years like your Honor thought, but only five. That's right, sir. Five years, and look at me, completely rehabilitated, reinvigorated, reassimilated, and finally going to be relocated. And I want to thank a lot of people for that. I look over there and I see that man there, Mr. Norwalk. I want to thank you, sir, for making the tapes in an illegal fashion. I would like to thank the Court of Appeals for reversing you, Your Honor, and I want to thank Almighty God, without whom no case gets tossed. I can't believe this. Oh, I must have forgot. How could I forget? My dear close friend and lawyer, David Kleinfeld, who never, never, never gave up on me through everything, thick and thin, right, Dave? Why don't you just stand up here? Just stand up. Mr. Brigante, Mr. Brigante, Davey Kleinfeld. Okay, Mr. Brigante, you're not accepting an award. Standing by me. I just want Court of Appeals decision and the district attorney's unfortunate investigative techniques now devolve upon me the painful duty of unleashing upon society a reputed assassin and convicted purveyor of narcotics. No, never convicted on no dope. The indictment is dismissed. The prisoner's discharged. Call the next case. No hard feelings, right? I'll be seeing you, Brigante. That was some line of crap you handed him in there. Hey, that was no line of crap, man. I meant every word I said, Dave. You don't understand, see? You don't get it. I'm a free man, and I don't mean just out of jail. I am free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. I got to work here. Save your energy. Wait till you see what I got lined up for tonight. Yes! Carlito vows to end his unlawful activities upon his release from prison. He insists, but, as we know, life is full of temptation. That night, out celebrating at a nightclub, Kleinfeld offers Carlito the chance to run a different nightclub, Mm -hmm. legitimately, one that Kleinfeld's got 50K tied up in already. However, Carlito isn't exactly looking for more favors, but ultimately... It does seem like too good of an opportunity to pass up. Yeah, figuring out their relationship, I would say early on and then through the duration of the film is interesting. Yeah, because earlier on, 
you feel like they're even closer than they end up right actually feeling later because i noticed i even made a note of it here they're with those other women they're dates i guess mm-hmm. for the night yeah. who are completely bored and ignored <laughs> right and there is a certain amount of homoeroticism at least in the context of a film if you're presenting mm-hmm. a situation where it's four people out on the night this yeah. man who has just been in prison for five years and they cannot focus on anything else other than each other that's definitely saying yeah. something to your audience but then they don't go anywhere with right. that because kleinfeld and carlito almost separate for the next 30 minutes of mm-hmm. the movie while Carlito's getting himself set up. I would say that there is a good 20 to 25 minute stretch of this movie where you forget that Sean Penn is even in it, let alone a main character. Yeah, that's true. And then all of a sudden he comes back with a vengeance for sure. But mm-hmm. early on in the movie, after this opening, yeah, he kind of fades for at least a right. little bit. Yeah, this force them out together and these two just start like talking about like wrestling. <laughs> Old horror movies yeah. from... 1986 that no one has even heard of. Even though it's taking place in 1975. (laughs) Carlito's plan is to try and get 75K together to be able to buy into a car rental business down in the Caribbean, essentially retire from the street life permanently. I actually found this to be a very endearing quality of the character and the film. I was into this, that this is like his dream is to run some shitty car rental. Well, yeah, I think he just realizes that you don't need all this shit. It's so much easier to live a carefree life. Sure, he's not going to be super rich. He's anything, not going to yeah. get the juice. Right. But you find the one good woman, which we haven't gotten to yet, yep. and then that's it. That's all you need. I do think when we were growing up, <laughs> this was more of a thing in movies all the time. The idea of crime movies, especially like one big job and then I'm going to go live on a beach or something. Yeah. That was definitely a, a heavily used storyline. I think in in this current generation, people are like, you know, a lot of those beach towns are kind of just like shitty touristy <laughs> stuff. Like they're not that cool. Well, even if you take out the, the beach element and just yeah. the one last score before retirement, well, we yeah. just did Thief this well, year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's such a recurring. The big dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Although that's not even what he's doing. No, I know. That's literally not what he's, he's doing. Yeah. He wants to make 75 K legitimately. Yeah. Although, let's be honest, you still have to put quotes around legitimately. It just means not doing anything too terrible, like right, dealing yeah. drugs or something that you're going to get arrested for. Is he getting a W-2 from this club? No, I think yeah. it's not exactly <laughs> not all on the up and up, and up, up. Yeah. here. <laughs> I don't think they're really worried about paying their taxes. <laughs> but he puts it in a way that the audience can understand. Car rental guys don't get killed that much, he says. Because when he presents this plan to people throughout the movie that much gail kleinfeld others they sort of laugh in his face and he takes it in stride (laughs) he's like why is this dumb this is great this would be great we could live somewhere nice and warm and not have to worry about getting killed i know i think five years in prison can change people (laughs) they realize hey maybe this street life wasn't that cool yeah really Carlito's got a beard, the dark sunglasses, flowing hair, long black leather trench coat, just to get a visual. Next up, we're introduced to Luis Guzman as Pachanga. In Kep's first draft of the screenplay, Pachanga spoke in a very heavy slang style. Following some pushback from the Latino cast and crew, Kep toned it down and thus allowed 
Guzman to improvise a lot of it himself. So yeah, those dorky white people putting Guz- this movie yeah. together, embarrassing <laughs> themselves over and over again. But Guzman just like an all timer in terms of supporting guy in a seedy underworld. Yeah, and he looks like a guy who yeah. always belongs, whether it's Boogie Nights right. or this or whatever. Pretty soon upon his release, Carlito's taking a survey of the scene, the lay of the land, trying to get caught back up. Carlito's cousin is played by a very young John Ortiz. Oh, yeah. Playing Guario, I think is his name. The whole thing with Guario here at the beginning, this scene is important for a lot of reasons. First of all, it illustrates how hard it is to get out of this life. Totally, because you're close to people in this world. Yeah, this is his own cousin. Yep. He doesn't understand exactly what's going on at first, and then he realizes, oh, shit, this is going to be like a huge drug deal. Oh, God. And then this kid's by himself. I have to step in and protect him. It also serves as like a template for what the audience can expect with Kleinfeld. Think about Carlito's cousin here. He's got this ridiculous car, some sort of a Mustang Camaro GTO. I don't know what the fuck with flames painted on. He looks like an (laughs) asshole. Yes. He's got 30K just in his pocket. I know. Desperate for approval. Desperate to seem like he's doing this right. I'm cool. I'm a big deal. Asking for trouble, basically. Which is exactly what the happens. mindset with yeah. Kleinfeld. These people are peripheral to it. You grow up near it. You grow up in it. Obviously, Carlito's cousin would be closer That's the thing. to like, it than Kleinfeld. Why but want, yeah. Why do you want the attention? Why do you want to be seen? Well, you get the money, you seem like a big shot, yeah. you seem tough, you get the girls, all, you know, you, you're a king. Totally. Which is the appeal, but there's uh, always the dangerous downside that they don't grasp. Seeing John Ortiz, I, the immediate connection that I make, I, I know he's been in like a shitload of stuff, but I immediately go to Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> when he's just Metallica! Like, no, I love when he's talking about like being stuck in this marriage, but he's like, I'm suffocating. <laughs> Put like his hands around his throat. Is he married to Julia Stein? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of get it. Despite Carlito's intentions to steer clear of crime, he is persuaded to accompany Guario to a drug deal held at a speakeasy-style bar in back of a barbershop. However, Carlito is immediately Something's uneasy, up. and the tension just builds from there. Notices that bathroom doors open. Ultimately, Guario's suppliers betray and kill him, forcing Carlito to shoot his way out of the situation in order to survive. It's definitely built in a really cool way, that whole thing that he's doing with, like, he's going to show these guys that pool shot. Yeah. Which I love that these guys know what's going on, and they're still getting, like, sucked into, like, well, we got to see this cool trick shot. (laughs) Well, they weren't expecting a guy whose name rang out in the yeah. streets to show up there too true and it kind of threw off this whole thing mm-hmm. they're like oh okay we thought this guy was in prison he's not such a big deal that they immediately have to stop what they're doing but yeah. they're like okay this is a guy this is a guy yeah, we know yeah. Th- this is a name but they don't know what exactly to do and then yeah carlito launches into this whole thing where he's setting up a trick pool shot and then you see the action going down in mm. the reflection of the sunglasses, which is so De Palma. Right, for sure. That was something that felt right out of Dress to Kill or Body yep, Double yeah, or Blowout, Carrie, something yeah. like that. Those classic things where something's just moving across. and It doesn't look real. Mm-hmm. There's no world where that's how it actually looks in a <laughs> reflection yeah. in sunglasses. But that kind of makes it cooler. That's, right. 
the De Palma aesthetic. It looks mm-hmm. a certain way. It leads into that bathroom standoff where he's got to like shoot his way out after they've killed Guariro and the whole deal. Although and it seems like most people get killed or wounded in the first when it's all going down. Before yeah. he makes it to the bathroom. Right. And then ultimately, I think anybody who survived runs off because there's no one there yeah. alive when he finally comes out. Here comes the pain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reloaded! Okay? Come on in here, motherfuckers! Come on, I'm waiting for you! Why, you ain't coming in? Okay, I'm coming out. Are you up against it now, motherfucker? I'm gonna blow your fucking brains out. You think you're big time? You're gonna fucking die big time. You ready? beginning of this movie is setting you up thinking he's going to be this badass guy who is going to immediately get sucked back into it. Mm -hmm. But no. Carlito leaves the scene with Guayero's $30,000 from the botched drug deal and uses it to buy into a nightclub owned by a gambling addict named Sasso, still intending to bank $75K so that he can retire down in the Caribbean and rent cars to people. Speaking of Safety Brothers, Sasso definitely is living like a uncut gems life (laughs) except most people just sort of laugh yeah because he's such a clown (laughs) carlito didn't want to take kleinfeld's charity because as we'll learn later he feels so indebted to him Mm -hmm. that the idea of just accepting another favor to be put into this nightclub is not going to work yeah but now he's got thirty thousand unexpectedly so now he can buy his own way in Hoping to turn that 30K that into 75. One of the things, as it goes on, we hit on it, but what is the level of their friendship here? Because I feel like at a certain point, Carlito's treating it like there's a transactional relationship here that he needs to pay back. But yeah. I don't know. There, But a lot of times, you know, he talks about his code, which is a big part of the whole movie. And he's like, you know, you're my friend. I help my friends. I think that it starts out closer. And yeah. then based on what Kleinfeld does it strips everything away until it is transactional. Yeah. And that's why Kleinfeld is so taken aback by Carlito insisting that he repeat we're mm-hmm. even because he's realizing that it is a transaction in that moment and that's it. There's right. not going to be anything else. Even yep. though we later learn that Kleinfeld's already betrayed him. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, well, no, wait, I was betraying you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say that. Five years is a long time. There was definitely a culture shift while he was in prison, and it takes some getting used to, and he talks about it in some of the narration, which runs throughout the film. I know that Kep struggled with the narration, when to have it, when not to have it. There is a lot of it. I think some of it could have been cut out. I think so. There's a few times where he's just telling you things that you should be able to pick up on on your own. I'm not a huge person against it when it works. Yeah. There's a little bit of melodrama to his delivery. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's Pacino. Well, yeah. Almost like soap opera-ish, though, in this. 
the name of Carlito's nightclub is El Paradiso, the same name as the food stand that yes. he operated in Scarface. So there is some connection How there. about that? Yeah. All part of the same franchise. Pacino had difficulty with his scenes with Jorge Purcell, who plays Sasso, the club owner, because, as I mentioned, the actor, although he made 50 films in Argentina, spoke no English and learned his lines phonetically, which I'm always blown away by. I don't know how you can do, do that. Shit yeah. like that. How do you even get into a situation where you're being pitched for this and part? B- like, and be able to say the lines correctly. Part of it is that you've heard people speak English okay, enough yeah. where you can kind of get the rhythms of it. You just don't know what the words mean right. exactly, probably. It has it. to be, yeah. Sasso, who wants to be called Ron now for some reason, owes money, and Carlito exploits that in order to get in and take over. Well, I'm assuming he wants to be called Ron because too many people know him. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Yeah. He's got Pachanga in tow. Pachanga morphs into a day-to-day bodyguard assistant type for Carlito. Pretty quickly, we're introduced to a hot-headed young gangster from the Bronx named Benny Blanco. Oh, yeah. He's determined to make a name for himself in the streets. He's another one, just like the late cousin of Carlito and also Kleinfeld eventually. Same kind of mentality. Yep. Desperate to be somebody. He maybe even wants to surpass Carlito's reputation, but he lacks any sense of ethics. John Leguizamo plays Benny. Just another fiery performance from him. He turned down the part four times. He finally took the role after De Palma allowed him to improvise many of his lines. The thing with Benny is that he's overly eager to the point of making everyone uncomfortable with his eagerness. Yeah, it's a scene. You can see the setup initially right Right. away between these two how this is going to play out carlito wants to avoid that shit entirely and not engage with it and benny's going to feel disrespected because eventually carlito's going to have to act like a dick to get this guy away from him like a a gangster movie move to be like the person who says if you need anything come to me there's a lot of times where the people that are saying that aren't at the level where they (laughs) actually can get you anything right yeah, it's a that's a move. Status. Thing. Yeah. As Carlito puts it, he's got a big future if he can live past next week. Fair enough. While conversing with the absolutely stunning waitress Steffi. <laughs> had to put that note in there, just a little footnote. You have an asterisk down at the bottom. Admittedly, <laughs> it had been absolutely a while stunning. since I had seen this movie. Yeah. So when we got to this part, I forgot that Steffi factors into something later. So I wasn't sure if she was going to come back up. Mm -hmm. I needed to make hay in this moment (laughs) because I was blown away. Yeah. (laughs) Carlito is distracted by a different woman dancing in the background, one that reminds him of his long-lost love, Gail. Gail was from before the prison stint, obviously. In the middle of a rainy blue moonlit night, Carlito tracks her down and follows her to ballet dancing class where he watches from a rooftop across the street using a metal garbage can lid as protection from the pouring rain. (laughs) That's quite a scene. (laughs) Gail, you fucking bitch. Let's work (laughs) it out. (laughs) Penelope Ann Miller plays Gail. Casting for Gail proved difficult because of the character's striptease scenes. The character needed someone who was both a talented dancer and actor, and plus was willing to do the nudity. Yeah. It's a big ask. Originally, De Palma wanted the unfortunately named Allison Duty 
from the last crusade okay the main love interest but she did not want to do the nude scenes one thing that i think is pretty cool though about the movie and i know that i'm jumping around a little bit but when we actually get to this scene it's not really a big emphasis point so we'll just discuss it now I really love when Carlito discovers that Gail is actually stripping. Yeah. And his reaction is so not what you're expecting. No, I know. I, that continues throughout the movie, really. Yeah, he's very low-key, understated, and calm. And not just calm. Well, Hopefully your hero of the film isn't going to do something ridiculous. But we know what heroes from these asshole. types of movies usually are. I'm not saying that it's just the calmness. Like when she says, you're judging me. He says, no, no, no I'm not judging you. He, think, and he, you believe him. You yeah. believe that he understands that she had to do this. She's not thrilled about and I it. I think there's a little sadness there even. Like he's a little bit like, oh. Because it's this realization. That yeah, she's but not, not in actually, a bad way. Not no, in a not, judgy way. Right. It's just agreed, sort agreed. of like, I wish that I hadn't gone to prison. Yeah. Not, I feel bad that you had to do this. Right. I understand why you're doing this. That kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to make a comment on it. He never says, you need to stop doing it. Doesn't say anything like that. Well, I think- Never happens. You know, we should point out that he thinks he's going to see her doing some Broadway or whatever. Right. He's set up in a scene that hasn't happened yet, thinking that he's going to a performance of a play because she wants to be an actress in Broadway. Although Pacino specifically requested Penelope Ann Miller to be his co-star in the film, it seems like things might have gotten a little awkward. He and Miller became romantically involved during filming. Miller spoke publicly about the romance in interviews, but Pacino was in a relationship with Lindell Hobbs at the time. Oh, boy. Pacino attended the film's premiere with Hobbs and avoided Miller entirely. Yikes. (laughs) There was also some weirdness with Liguizamo, too, where... He wrote in his book that she was a bitch and that everyone hated her Uh. and that the crew fucked with her by messing with her clothes, by making them smaller by like a little bit every day (laughs) so that she would think she was getting fatter and stuff like that. And then I think he even doubled down on it, maybe on live with Regis and Kelly or whoever was on the show at the time when his book came out. Yeah. But then later apologized, said that he didn't have any scenes with her and didn't w- interact with her, and then also said that the crew didn't have any problems with her either. So I don't know what the fuck this was. Huh. This whole story was that really seems, weird. It feels like there has to be some truth to it, though. Why would he make that up and then completely walk He may back? have embellished it a lot yeah. and then realized in a post-V2 world yeah. that like people were going to look at that and be like, were you fucking bullying right, her? Like, What right, was going right. on? I don't know. I found it to be very weird, mm-hmm. but I didn't. it didn't really seem to amount to much. It was just something that was in a book. Gail calls Carlito Charlie. He dumped her before going into prison, presumably to spare her, but also maybe himself, as he explains he didn't want to have to imagine what she was doing all the time. And oh, yeah. It was just better to cut it off entirely. She's trying to resist, but let's face it, the current is only moving in one direction, honey. Uh-huh. We're, we're going in one direction now. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you didn't, reject him immediately meant that we're going in one direction now yeah well you know it's one of the more interesting things to follow this little game that she's playing with him yeah (laughs) when you don't know where it's heading it sort of seems like is there like another dude in the mix is this why there's some coyness going on here and when he shows up at the apartment i'm like oh boy what's this gonna be and then it doesn't end up being really well it ends up being something but it's completely different from what i was thinking yeah i think that once you let a man mm-hmm. in this position 
have a little bit of a foothold, it's over. <laughs> you have to either reject it immediately or you're going back. The backslide <laughs> is in full effect. It doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. They seem to really love each other. She's upset about his lifestyle, but throughout the two hours and 20 plus minutes of this movie, Carlito doesn't seem like that bad of a guy to us. No. So there's nothing really wrong with it, but the same mindset can be used for situations where it is bad. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Where she shouldn't be getting back together with him. And she probably shouldn't in this movie either because of his life and everything, but... What we see, he's trying to turn it around. What Carlito doesn't fully realize yet is how far into all this gangster shit his good buddy Dave Kleinfeld has gotten himself. We as viewers understand that Kleinfeld has ripped off $1 million in payoff money from his own client, mafia boss, Anthony Tagliolucci. Yeah, kind of a crazy move, which will uh, ultimately not work out for him. I do like how he's subtly throwing things out like, hey, can you help me get a bodyguard? (laughs) (laughs) At this point, Carlito's in the dark. He has no idea about any of this shit. Kleinfeld is preoccupied with his own Corleone-style fantasies for himself. Instead of immediate retribution, Tagliolucci starts talking about a prison break, which in a lot of ways felt worse. I know. I would have been like, all right, just kill me. I don't want to <laughs> <Yeah>. do this. <laughs> he wants Kleinfeld to use his yacht to help him break out of the Rikers Island prison barge. That was kind of a crazy scene, Like just seeing that. Rikers Island prison barge. I was like, wow. (laughs) Well, a major scene in this film involves this meeting between Kleinfeld and Tagliolucci, which takes place at the Vernon C. Bain Correctional Center. Okay. A prison barge docked on the south shore of the Bronx. However, the movie takes place in 1975. The New York City Department of Corrections did not start using prison barges until 1988. And the Bain Correctional Center only came into operation in 1992. It was brand new Mm. when the movie was made. Okay. Because... That's why I thought it was taking place at the time it was filmed. Because I knew that. (laughs) When I saw that and I realized they were saying, like, there's this giant floating prison. First of all, that was news to me. I had no idea that this was a thing that existed at all. Yeah. But then the gears in my mind started working. I was like, they had this in 1975? Yeah, yeah. So then I started researching it on my own and then came across, oh, okay, here's a major mm-hmm. goof in the movie. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Sorry. And then though. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't belong, but whatever. It is cool, though. Kleinfeld, this might be the first moment in his life where he realized that maybe he's taking this little yeah. dream of his too far because he's running out of the prison, vomiting everywhere because the world is mm-hmm. closing in on him. He's being threatened with death. Right. by a mob boss now because they know he's taking this money. God only knows why it's, he did it. I know, it, but it seems weird that this is the move. It seems like they could have had him whacked one of however many million ways. I guess he's trying to get two birds killed with one stone, escape from prison, and take out the lawyer who ripped him off. I guess the thought process is he has a boat, we have a plan. Yeah. He will feel like he owes us, then we will kill him, right. and there will be one less connection to this plan. Taking this money just seemed like a crazy move. Well, we don't get the story from his perspective, so we yeah. don't really know what the fuck is going on with him. I guess I we can just sort of guess. I mean, obviously, I guess he thought he was going to be able to get away with it, and they wouldn't know it was him. Well, so- there's clearly a money thing going yeah. on with drugs 
he needs more drugs. Right. He's a complete drug addict. He has this insane penthouse. Yeah. With the, I wrote about the view at some point. He's living a lifestyle that's nuts, yeah. and he needs money to fund it. So he's started dipping into all these illegal activities, which is why later we're going to find out the DA is actually after him. Right. And this is probably just one of many fucking things he's done, except totally. now he's so fucked up he doesn't realize how much more dangerous this is than the stupid shit he's been doing in the last five years. Absolutely. This is a level way too far. Mm-hmm. Because as we'll see with the way he acts with Benny Blanco in the club yeah, and yeah. various other shit that he does, he thinks he's a tough guy now. Uh huh. By the way, quick note on the prison escape plan. Seem a little too easy. <laughs> yeah, one guard is going to get me out of here. Well, the yeah. movie's not about the prison break. <laughs> they can't invest a lot of time in that. <laughs> Although the idea of that big fat guy just being Swimming in the East like River on a buoy. Yards, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> That guy's sinking like a stone as soon as he hits the water. <laughs> Vigo Mortensen appears as Laleen. I know. That was like sort of a shock for me. A guy who, like Carlito, was supposed to be in the joint for 30 years, but is now suddenly on the streets. He tries to draw Carlito back into a criminal scheme, but Carlito knows the score. Even I was like, this guy's wearing a wire. <laughs> this is too much. Laleen is wearing a wire. And I'm like not in touch with anything that's going on ever. I ain't connected no more. Oh, come on, man. You forget who you're talking to? <laughs> Look at this. Wait, wait, wait. This is how you beat your 30 years, no. huh, piece of shit? <laughs> Let me explain. I'll kill you. Push you in the fucking river on your What the fuck is going on, Carlito? No, no. Wait a minute. Wait a fucking second. Now Wait a minute. You fucking... a fucking chiva, man? No, I see. Let me. You fucking run, man. Let me fucking kill him, man. Let me kill him, fuck, Carlito, man. Oh, let him fucking kill me. Fuck, fuck you. Oh, kill me, oh, motherfucker. Look what I got. Look what I got. I mean, look at me. You got everything, man. I mean, come on. Look what I gotta fucking go around with. Fucking diapers, man. I got fucking diapers. I shit my pants every day. I can't walk. I can't hump. You know? Go ahead and kill me, you cocksucker. They made me do it. You know, they sent me back. I'm not good in the joint. I'm in a fucking wheelchair, Carlito. Who wasn't even turned on. Listen to me. Who sent you? Who sent you, motherfucker? The Answer DA, me. The DA. The DA. No walk? No yeah, walk? Yeah, man. He got, a, he, got, he got a heart out for you, man. He got a tip. You were dealing again. Big time. I was dealing. Who told him that? I don't know. I've been clean since I got up. I haven't made one fucking move. No, Who told him I, I don't know. Who told I him I don't that? know, man. I swear to God. I don't know. I would never give you up, man. I would never do that. I was going to give you a signal. It wasn't even turned on. It's something else, man. Oh, shit, man. Just do it, man. Just fucking kill me. 
I ain't gonna kill you, Nalim. I ain't even gonna hurt you, man. I ask you, how can you fuck the only people who ever care for you? How do you do that? You lost, motherfucker. When Carlito meets with Aline, the snitch, Backstabbers by the OJs is playing in the background, which I did notice. Okay. It's a good tune. Yeah. Lean is sort of a tragic figure Definitely. in the world of the gangland battles, I guess, because he is in a wheelchair. He's paralyzed after getting shot in the back. Oof. He even has sort of a, a breakdown once the wire's discovered where he's pulling out the diapers Oof. and being like, just kill me. Yeah, really. And yeah, you do kind of get the sense that there's actually some empathy from Carlito. I know. He doesn't really seem... Well, he's pissed at first, but he gets over the wire thing pretty quick, and then yeah. he doesn't want anything done to him. It's a hellish existence. Laleen tells Carlito that Norwalk, the DA, the one played by James Rebhorn, has it in for Carlito, and apparently has been tipped off that Carlito is dealing again, although our protagonist insists otherwise, and we as viewers assume that to be true. It's like, why did I have to make such a scene in that courtroom that day? I couldn't just shut my mouth. <laughs> Win gracefully. Carlito tries to settle in as a nightclub co-owner, and it does seem like business is going pretty well. There was the unpleasant business with Lillene, perhaps a warning about how far you can fall in this world, and also Carlito having to swat away unwelcome business opportunities from the Benny Blancos of the world. He's trying his best to rekindle a romance with Gail, too, whom he does not explode on when he discovers she's stripping. He's inching toward his financial goals. But then, <laughs> Kleinfeld has to go and start fucking Steffi, who is still waitressing at the club. Uh, Steffi is played by Ingrid Rogers. Yes. She seems like someone eager to be in the mix, too. I'm I'd sensing so. a theme. It's very yeah, recurring. Yeah. Everyone wants to be involved. Well, based on the dudes that she's involved with in this club scene, she's yeah, she into... wants to be in the lifestyle. Right. yeah. And it isn't a huge point of emphasis in the movie, but... She does have a few lines of dialogue that indicate that she's trying to notice things, trying to be involved, trying to pay attention. Yeah, There's yeah. no alternative motive. It doesn't have anything to do with a setup or anything. She just wants to be there. She wants to be in the mix, as do many of the other characters. Yep. As Carlito himself puts it, though, when presented with the information that Kleinfeld is fucking Steffi, so what's the problem? Good for him. The problem is that she's also romantically entangled with one Benny Blanco, which is news to us because we did not right. see that happen. But we do know of him to be one to make a scene. Oh, and a scene is made. Yes. Although, really, you have to blame Kleinfeld for making it a million times worse. I know. Benny pretends to take the Steffi situation in stride initially, but his frustration with Carlito's constant rejections and disrespect and dismissive attitude boils over and he makes the move to confront Carlito directly at his table. Mm -hmm. Very reminiscent of some of the Scarface material. Which table are we at? Oh, yeah. We're going to this table. <laughs> Very familiar ground. Carlito keeps pushing it further, publicly humiliating Benny, who responds by manhandling Steffi, grabbing her to pull her Oof. over to his table, which yeah. then causes the reaction. 
fueled on alcohol and cocaine, Kleinfield brazenly pulls out a gun and threatens to kill Benny, but Carlito intervenes. I think an unwritten rule in this situation is that if you go that far and pull out the gun, you better use it because that's basically, it's on site then. Yep. Yeah. written a check now and you better be able to cash it. Well, and this is one of these moments where Carlito, it, it might be time to cut this friendship off. But well, he, he feels like he owes him. Yep. That's the thing. Like, these are the events that are stripping away the personal yeah. connection, and now it becomes just about the debt that he feels like he owes him. But as Gail will put it, you don't owe him any. Yeah, he's an idiot. <laughs> he was your lawyer. Presumably, you paid him his fee. Yeah. That's what you owe him. Everything's square. You don't have to be his friend. <laughs> hey, Mr. Bugante, it's the second time you turn me down for a drink, man. Well, you don't like my champagne? Hey, it could be. I don't know, maybe it's a misfucking understanding here. I don't know, man. Maybe you don't remember me. My name is maybe Benny Maybe I Blanco. don't give a shit. Maybe I don't remember the last time I blew my nose either. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? I should remember you. Huh? What, you think you like me? You ain't like me, motherfucker. You a punk. I've been with made people. Connected people. Who you been with? Chain snatching. Jive ass, modicum motherfuckers. Why don't you get lost? Go ahead, snatch your purse. Come on, take a fucking walk. You know, I think the only problem here is that Steffi doesn't know where she belongs. Come on, Steffi, let's go. Steffi belongs here, that's where she belongs. I think Steffi's making a big fucking mistake. Hey, 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 I mean, if I ever see you here again, you die just like that. You over, man. You fucking end the history books. That's what you are, man. So you might as well fucking kill me now, because if I ever see you again, I swear to God, I'm going to fucking kill you. Get him out. Take him out the back. Take him in the alley. Dumb move, man. Dumb move. But it's like them old reflexes coming back. Despite being personally threatened by Benny himself, Carlito lets him go unharmed, a decision which alienates Pachanga, who has morphed now into the bodyguard. And he was more than willing to kill Benny. He felt like that's where this needed to go. Oh, yeah. But Carlito doesn't want to be involved with that shit anymore. You could look at it, and many people do, that he's sealing his fate right now by sparing Benny. I don't yeah. really know well, how Benny else Well, Benny even could... says it to him. I guess the idea is maybe he thought he could get out with his 75K and just get out. I think to some degree he doesn't really buy that Benny's as tough as he acts. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's naivete from Carlito's point of view yeah. because 
other characters even mentioned to him, hey, this was you. He's you from years ago. You have to start somewhere. You're either in or you're out. And Carlito is still out. Yep. He lets him go. Next up is the party at Kleinfield's summer home, which is a hilarious. Totally. (laughs) Quite a scene. Scene here where he's so mad at Steffi's friends. Yeah. But I was thinking, okay, so if you weren't fucking Steffi and she didn't invite her friends, then who was this party? Who are all these other people? Well, I'm assuming he rubbed shoulders with the elite. So it's only her friends that are embarrassing themselves by well, giving hand jobs. Or whatever to be the case. Yeah, giving a hand job Steffi's everybody. trashy friends. If you're gonna fuck them, fuck them in the house like a decent person. Flipping out. Oh God. What you doing out here by yourself, Carlito? Huh? Sit. You know, you sure are weird, baby. How come you never try to fuck me, huh? You got into big beef for me, and you ain't never laid a glove on me. Well, you dance girl now. He can't fuck me all the coke he's doing, all right? What are you two talking about? Fucking. Oh, well, speaking of fucking Steffi, look at those fucking friends of yours over there. They're a fucking embarrassment. Oh. Now go do something. Do something. Be a hostess or some kind of cut. Yeah. Fuck me. Hey, Louie! Louie, you fucking chicks, give me a hand job right in front of everybody. I got guests here, for Christ's sake. People are eating. Take it easy, Dave. Uh, you take it easy. You got any manners? You want to fuck a fucker like a normal human being? Take her in the bedroom. People, huh? Okay, Dave. What's up? I need you to do something for me. Okay, what is it? You gotta help me spring Tony Tagliolucci from the prison barge at Rikers. Are you crazy? He thinks I stole a million dollars from him. This is a dying man. He's nuts. He's totally fucking paranoid. Dave. Do you realize what you just said to me? If I don't do it, he's going to have me killed. It's that simple. So that means you're going to have to bust into prison? No, no, no. What do you think, I'm crazy? No. He's going to swim off the island. Going to swim? Yeah. Or he's going to drown. Not if you and I pick him up. In that. See, Tony's got a guy on the inside who'll get him in the water. I've been cruising the sound for years. I know these channels like the back of my hand. We cross Little Neck Bay into the north corner to pick him up. This buoy about 100 yards offshore. That's where he's going to be. This is in and out, half hour tops. OK, OK. He's going to jump off a barge, swim 100 yards to a buoy in the East River. Impossible. It's too rough. He's going to die. Well, that's his fucking problem. Listen, there's no point in arguing about this. I have to do this. Dave. I'm asking for your help. Dave. You a lawyer, man. What the fuck is happening to you? I don't know. I don't know. I'm so fucking... Shook up, I cannot see straight. 
I'm in an impossible fucking situation here. Once I get Tony on shore, there's a distinct possibility that he and his Goomba son have got some plans for me. What do you mean plans? What kind of plans? What kind of plans? I don't know if he's not going to kill me. This guy hates my guts. I'm in trouble. I mean, I'm in fucking trouble here. You are the only fucking person on earth that I can trust. I... And I give you $50,000 going on. Dave, if I go along, it ain't for the money. Are you in? What is this thing? I don't know. His son's going to call me. Are you in? Yeah, I'm in. All right, I'm in. Okay. Kleinfeld invites Carlito to the party because he wants to lay this whole sob story on him about Tony T and the, the whole thing. These guys hate me. They're going to kill me. They're going to fucking kill me. I have to do this. I need you there because they're going to try to kill me. Blah, 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 please. And even though Carlito wants nothing less in the world than to be involved with this, yeah, he feels like he owes this man, and so... It's a real Meryl Streep performance. You're my only friend. You're the only person I can trust. You know, yeah. I need you there. Can you I, do me this one thing? I thought Kleinfeld almost blew it by offering the 50K. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that was insulting. Right. It well was. He reacts to it. Carlito, that is. And then later, after he pulls the shit he pulls out there, he's like, I'll throw it an extra 10. Yeah. <laughs> According to De Palma, Sean Penn demanded 30 takes of the shot of Kleinfeld asking Carlito to help him with Tony T's escape. Wow. When De Palma wanted to move on to the next shot, Penn screamed at him. He continued to yell at De Palma on the ride back to New York City. He later called De Palma on the phone to continue yelling at him. <laughs> De Palma said that was the only argument they had on the phone. <laughs> but it was a big one. Yeah, we've talked about directors that love to do a lot of takes over the right. last year of the show. We've mentioned Kubrick and Fincher and oh, some yeah. of these people. Sean Penn would be the ideal actor for them. He has a reputation as being an actor who wants to do a million takes. Mm-hmm. And he was freaking the fuck out on Mystic River, which I believe we may have mentioned at yes. some point, demanding that his agent get him off the movie because yeah. Clint Eastwood would only do one or two takes. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives a good performance. I know people kind of goof on the, is that my daughter in there thing, but I, I liked Mystic River. Yeah, so I think Mystic River is a great movie. I don't know that you really need to have 30 takes of these things. There are some more echoes of other films. We've already talked about Scarface. Another one would be the location used as Gail's apartment. Five to seven Minetta Lane is the same building used to represent Frank Serpico's apartment in Serpico, which also starred Al Pacino. With facial hair. Yes, very similar look. Yeah. I actually wrote that somewhere. I don't know if it's here or later, but yeah, aesthetically, Serpico is pretty close. Minetta Lane in Greenwich Village is used often in films, TV, and commercials because it is only one block long with a bend in it. Both ends of the street can easily be blocked off for filming. Ah, 
He goes to see Gale again. It is what it is, but it's also very corny. The oh, yeah. you are so beautiful Joe Dude. Cocker usage is so bizarre. I'm glad you brought this up. It really jumped out to me. This feels just off. I think part of it is what's happened to the song in the 30 years since being used in commercials and a lot more sappy material. Maybe my first introduction to this song was Alfalfa singing it in the Little Rascals movie. <laughs> a movie that like my sisters were watching as I was growing up. That would have probably been around the same time period, yeah. but maybe a little bit after this. But um, yeah. It is bizarre, though. It feels out of place. I couldn't decide if it's because of things that have happened in the 30 years since that have further pushed this song into corny land, and maybe it wasn't exactly like that in 1993. I really wouldn't know. Could be, but it's jarring now, certainly. And then they return to it at the end of the film. I know. Which is wild. Yeah, it was almost off-putting for me, even. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. And I got to do a quick sidebar on this topic. I was watching... Guy Ritchie's Swept Away the other morning, which is just an awful movie. Okay. It's crazy that he made this. I don't know why he felt like that should be remade because there's a lot of questionable content in it. But there's a part towards the end of the movie where it's Mazzy Star fade into you, and it's one of the most poor uses of the song <laughs> I've ever seen. And I was like, you want to learn how to use Mazzy Star? Watch the OC. Okay. <laughs> How dare you step on the OC's corner? (laughs) But yeah, just two shocking needle drop moments for me in a short period of time. Well, there were some other needle drops in this that are wild, too, because they're songs that were released after 1975. (laughs) She's dancing to them in the strip club. You're like, what? Okay. I don't think they were really that concerned with making it 1975. Because, as you said, you didn't even know. Right. And it never really feels like it. It, At the same time, it, it doesn't feel anywhere close to... 2023 or even what you would consider to be current day when the movie came out it just feels like it doesn't exist in time right early in the film the viewer is in the dark about where the danger will be coming from we're seeing all these different angles by the time carlito is reconciled with gail and is bringing her around the crew though it's becoming more and more obvious just how out of his goddamn mind kleinfield is and i guess it's merely a corrupted moral compass and the fact that he thinks that he owes him that's keeping Carlito from either noticing it or addressing it in a way that feels like it's going to change anything. I get his loyalty Mm -hmm. and the loyalty makes sense and it never feels out of place. That's the movie. But I have to say you kind of expect Carlito to do a little bit more. I I would agree. Shut the fuck up. That's taking the Pacino and putting it into it. We assume Pacino is the big dog. I know. I think what we're realizing is, throughout the movie, Kleinfeld's got a shit ton of money, Yeah, and he is a big deal. That's right. He could just give him the 75K and say, head to the Caribbean if you want. Have fun. But instead, he's got a, and by he, I mean Carlito's got to navigate around this buffoon because he feels like he owes him this thing yeah. and just can't move on with his life without and making it even. And he certainly has a reason to have keep Carlito around because it's... Oh, he wants to keep all of the yeah. tough guys around, especially right. the ones that he thinks likes him. Totally. That's all part of his act now. Yeah. You just think that, especially with this scene here, because Carlito gets tired, they're all out dancing, and he wants to sit down. 
Gail is a dancer. She keeps dancing, and eventually yeah. she pairs up with another man who's out on the floor. Clearly has a talent that Carlito I don't have. doesn't mind. Yeah. In fact, he's admiring it. He's enjoying it. He's completely relaxed, encouraging her to dance with this man. Yeah, yeah. But then Kleinfeld, Mr. <laughs> Big Shot, fucking loses it and makes a huge scene as if, A, he owns a woman, B, that it's his woman and not Carlito's. Yeah. See that he's some kind of tough guy that's going to fight this guy. I know. <laughs> but oh, he's God. just so angry about it. And Carlito's just like, what? Let it go, man. I've got his hands all over her ass. <laughs> <laughs> he like, can't even get the words out. He's so mad. <laughs> Hi. I'm an old man. I need a rocking chair. Okay, let me watch. Go ahead. I love to watch. Go ahead. There it is. Okay. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, look at that. So, here's a bunch of us at the Copa. Everybody dancing, drinking, Dom Perignon. Everything paid for by Kleinfeld. Won't even let you put your hand in your pocket. Always sneaking off, paying the waiter. But he has that bad drinker face, you know. His eyes are getting beady and beady these days. Should have seen it coming. Don't stop, please, don't stop. Look at her. Yeah! Look at me! This fucking goomba you a woman like that? Hey, just dancing. Don't you appreciate that? The, the, the movement, the rhythm. Yeah, well, I don't appreciate it. He's got his fucking hands all over her ass. You don't have his hands over her ass. I believe those are our hips. This shithead. These fucking wise guys think they're so hard ass. I am so sick. Hoods like that coming into my office, my office, thinking they can push me around. Well, I think you should tell them what you think. I mean, it's, why, why would you ever hold something like that inside? I mean, why not get something like that off your chest? It's a terrible thing to carry around with you. I think you should. I will. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, look. See how interested he's going to be in your comments. Hey! Hey, you! What's that? Yeah, you! You want me? You spaghetti dick! What? Okay, okay. What are you talking to? I'm talking to you. Come on! 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 Clearly, Kleinfeld's got a chip on his shoulder, and there is an interesting character in there too, because they hint at it a couple times. Yeah, you feel like this guy has been this dorky dude who's been around tough guys and gangsters oh, yeah. and now he wants to play one he feels like he's got this chip on his shoulder now because 
people have been putting him down. People don't take him seriously as a man. And he can't just be happy with being smart and rich and alive. Uh-huh. He wants to be a tough guy, too. Did you notice in that group of Italians, Big Pussy with a mustache? I didn't, but I did see his name in the cast. Yeah, he was one of those dudes in the yeah. club. He's a mustache. Okay. A Big Pussy with a mustache. Vincent Pastor. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought that one of those other guys was in The Sopranos, too, but I don't think he was. I Whatever the main villain, Tony. Is that it? Tagliolucci? Yeah. The son... That is Johnny Soprano in flashbacks. Tony's the dad. The f- son from the boat or the son, the other son? The other son. Vinny. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I would have remembered that. Drunken asshole Kleinfeld starts talking shit about the prison break boat plan in front of Gail. Just a real not cool bro moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Because there's no point. Right. He's just doing it to act like he's a badass with a secret he's trying to impress everyone like oh we got something special going on yeah yeah just talking shit leads to a big fight between gail and carlito when carlito and gail are having this argument gail states that quote i know how this dream ends charlie it isn't in paradise it ends with me carrying you into into an emergency room at three in the morning and standing there crying like an idiot while your shoes fill with blood and you die. Although some details are skewed, this indeed foreshadows how Carlito's dream actually ends. He does indeed get shot, implied in Gail's story by blood filling in your shoes. Gail stands over him crying, and he is taken to a hospital. I feel ridiculous! Because you haven't changed! You haven't changed a bit! What the fuck are you trying to tell me? That my getting out is just some bullshit fantasy trip I'm laying on you? Is that what you're saying? How can you say that, Gab? How can you say that when you know how close I am? How can you say those words to me? I got to do this, just this one thing, and then I'm out. I I owe Dave. You don't know I'm shit. Charlie, that's the problem with you. That's why nobody like you gets out, no matter what they say. You're not listening to me, girl. Because everything you learned in the neighborhood, every instinct you've got won't do anything but get you killed. What the fuck are you talking about? How do you know what I learned in my neighborhood? You're just stupid what you say. I know how this dream ends, Charlie. It isn't in paradise. It ends with me carrying you into set an emergency room. At three o'clock in the morning. And standing there, crying like an idiot. While your shoes fell with blood and you died. Because you're bullshitting me! All your talk is bullshit, you're You're not listening to me! Dave is my friend. Gail, I owe him. That's who I am. That's what I am, right or wrong. I can't change that.
That's the last time I wipe up your blood. Gail begs Carlito not to do it, even though she doesn't know what it is at this point. But she knows it's bad. However, he feels like he owes Kleinfeld for getting him out of prison. It's a code. It's his code. He has to do this. He can't turn him down, even though he wants to. The night of the big prison break, Kleinfeld is coked out of his mind. <laughs> Carlito is obviously agitated, but he is in just finish it mode. Let's yeah, just let's get just this get over with. This. Get through it. Kleinfeld, Carlito, and Tony's son Frankie sail to a floating buoy outside of the barge where Tony is waiting. It is a recurring thing with Carlito not being ready for what all these guys are capable of. Pretty much everyone around him. Yeah. Well, it's possible that prison dulled his yeah. reflexes a little bit. Tony's desperately clinging to this aforementioned buoy. It's completely ridiculous. As Carlito <laughs> goes to pull Tony aboard the boat, Kleinfeld kills Frankie. Then he smashes Tony's head with a crowbar as he's trying to crawl into the boat so that he'll drown. Yeah, really? A, kind of a crazy way to kill someone? <laughs> Carlito just looks at him. Are you fucking kidding me yeah, right really? now? What the fuck? Yeah. What is happening? We came all the way out here to do this? Why did we even move the boat? I know. We could have killed this jackass on the dock and let that fat bastard drown out there. Yeah, (laughs) really. Kleinfeld's justification is that they would have killed him anyway, but Carlito knows the truth. He knows the whole story. You can't just kill a boss and his son and think you can move on. Kleinfeld's crossed over now. He's no longer a lawyer. He's a gangster. Kleinfeld then smugly admits to stealing the $1 million from Tony. Carlito. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's just, well, come on. I mean, it was just sitting there. Carlito insists they're even now. Kleinfeld is caught off guard, but agrees. Well, it seems like Kleinfeld didn't even think there was a score between the two of them. Yeah, Yeah. he realizes now that this was a transactional thing. Right. But I don't think it always was. I, I yeah, What yeah. I was saying was that he's made it that way by acting like this right. over the course of the film. Having this gun, pulling the gun, now doing this. Jesus Christ. Constant scenes at the club. Knowing that mob retaliation is imminent, Carlito immediately severs his ties with Kleinfeld and decides to leave town with Gail. Yeah, you've gotten us both killed. I think that's in the narration. Carlito is proven right immediately. Mm-hmm. Kleinfeld is stabbed in his office building. It's very operatic, yeah. very De Palma. You would have thought that his guard would have been a little higher up. Now, he does kind of start to realize that something's off. There's that misdirection, yeah. not knowing that the guy's going to come out of the elevator. It is very dressed to kill totally. with the elevator being yeah. in the mix. Or Jurassic Park with the raptors. <laughs> <laughs> he manages to survive and is put under watch in a hospital because it turns out that Norwalk, the DA, is actually interested in Kleinfeld and isn't really after Carlito, contrary to what Laline claimed. Although, what a botched job by these mobsters not getting the job done here. Yeah, I know. It seems literally impossible that they wouldn't have been able to kill him. Right. I guess they wanted to drum up a little more drama. The police apprehend Carlito on the streets as he's trying to get Gail to run off with him, and she's telling him that she's late, meaning she's missed her period and for the sake of the film i guess we can assume she's pregnant the cops take carlita to norwalk's office where he has played a tape of kleinfeld offering to testify to false criminal allegations against carlito norwalk then advises that he is aware that carlito is an accomplice to the tagliolucci murders in an attempt to leverage him turning against kleinfeld 
but Carlito refuses. Not a surprise right. to the viewer. Absolutely no. no way. If there has to be vengeance or retribution, it's going to happen in the streets. He's not going through the fucking cops. Totally. My God. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't he just throw away his reputation? Right. <laughs> Although it is stupid because your reputation really is meaningless. Who yeah. cares? <laughs> Especially for him at this point. Especially if he just wants to get to Miami. Right. And then... It's the more, Caribbean. it's more, yeah, it's just this whole code thing. Carlito's way. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they meant. Yeah. Gail actually goes with him to Norwalk's office, and then the two of them stop off, and he buys Miami train tickets. Let's flee. Let's just get the fuck out of here. We're going to meet later tonight at the train station. It's a midnight train. <laughs> it's all so very it's dramatic. A Springsteen song. I got to go back to the club and pick up the money. We'll go from there. But first, Carlito's got to do something else. He's got to take care of some personal business. He stops off at the hospital. He needs to see Kleinfeld face-to-face to know for sure. Right away, Carlito clocks a suspicious man dressed in a policeman's uniform waiting around in yep. a hospital lobby area. Which crazy to me who he actually ends up being. Now, I, I get why he had personal reasons to want to be on this hit, but... It's sort of like the Godfather. Yeah, though. right. He's doing it personally and then he's going to take the next step (laughs) totally i think if you're a mob boss's son that's the way that you convince the yeah the the capos to fall in line you're you're real it ends up not exactly being some long drawn out thing though with old davy boy in the hospital kleinfeld pretty quickly admits to selling carlito out well they take those things out of context (laughs) i've been to norwalk's office i heard the tape Never give up your friends, Dave, no matter what. They doctor these things, play them out of context. I can't believe you are such a... Don't fucking do that! Fuck you! What the fuck are you doing? Would you fucking put that away? It's loaded! Fuck you and your self-righteous code of the goddamn street. Did it pull you out of a 30-year stint in five years? Did it? No, it didn't. I did. Did it get you acquitted four fucking times? No, it didn't. I did. So fuck you. Fuck the street. Your whole goddamn world's this big, and there's only one rule. You save your own ass. Save your own ass. Save your own ass. See this? Belongs here. Not behind the pillow. This way you can reach for it quick. They come in, you ready for it. So long, Dave. You got a beautiful future. Thanks. We'll be good. 
Kleinfeld. There's a delivery for you, Mr. Kleinfeld. From who? From my father and my brother. Adios, counselor. The whole situation actually turns into a pretty clever kill without Carlito getting his hands dirty. Carlito slyly unloads Kleinfeld's revolver without Kleinfeld catching on and then gives his farewell. When the mob makes their move seconds later, Kleinfeld's laying in a hospital bed with a thumb up his ass and an empty gun. Uh-huh. The man lingering around in the policeman getup is the other Tagliolucci's son, Vinny, obviously seeking vengeance for his brother and father. After sending the other guard onto a break, Vinny enters Kleinfeld's room and shoots him dead. Adios, counselor, <laughs> Carlito says as he's dropping bullets into a trash can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. According to writer David Kep. Pacino and Penn had trouble with the hospital scene, so Kep kept rewriting it to the point of being requested on set by De Palma when the scene was shot. Before shooting, Pacino wasn't really convinced with it because he sensed his character would never go to the hospital. They eventually got it to a place where Pacino was okay with it, and they shot it anyway. I do sort of agree with that. It does seem weird with everything going on. He knows that there's going to be an attempted hit here. Yeah, I guess from Pacino's perspective, he's saying that self-preservation and survival would outweigh the need to do this face-to-face and find out for sure about Kleinfeld. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter if Kleinfeld was really stabbing him in the back now, because the mob is coming to kill both of them, so what difference does it make? More echoes of other movies, The Godfather, same hospital exterior as the one where Vito Corleone is taken in The Godfather, and then- Pacino himself gets punched by the police captain. Yeah. So, yeah, all echoes to these other projects with Pacino. It's interesting. I don't even really think that was intentional, but maybe it was. Kleinfeld, by the way, does not die in the novel on which the film is based. Hmm. But De Palma felt that Carlito should have some retribution before he died. I don't know how this character would not die based on what he's done. If it's not in this hospital scene, I mean... Well, it maybe just didn't happen between page one and the last page, but you're supposed to maybe get that he wouldn't be living much longer in that world. Although, who knows? Carlito ends up taking out the whole friggin' family. (laughs) I think it was an excellent decision, though. It's way better for the film. If you have Kleinfeld just laying in a hospital bed to end the movie... Kleinfeld's gotta go. These mob guys are waiting for Carlito at the club indicating that they are also now suspicious of him. They don't know for sure if Carlito was there, but they assume he was. I love the touch of it being an older guy mm-hmm. that Carlito knew from 20 years earlier. Right. You didn't knew, know it took place in 75. The guy says we were selling nickel bags in 57. <laughs> I just didn't pay that close attention to the line. Yeah, so this guy, he knows him from the past. These mob guys stop. They're all joking about him looking Italian. This is the third or fourth time it's happened in the movie. So Carlito stops by his club to get the stashed money, and he's met by a group of these East Harlem Italian gangsters led by Vinny. Although at this point, Carlito is disconnected enough from the mob life, he wouldn't know that Vinny is Tagliolucci's son. 
Although he doesn't re- really even see that guy initially because it's just those three older dudes right. first. They plan to kill Carlito, but he manages to slip out through a secret exit under the bar where they bring in the liquor. Yeah, just blown past the whole thing with Sasso. <laughs> Stealing the money. Yeah, retrieving the cash is an adventure. Yeah. Sasso's moved it with the idea <laughs> being that he just assumed Carlito was dead too because yeah. Kleinfeld was dead. <laughs> I don't even know how news of Kleinfeld's death had reached them. Yet. I know. Maybe he just meant, oh, you heard Kleinfeld, somebody tried to kill him. Yeah. Because at that point, I don't even know that Carlito would know that it has been finished yet. Right. Obviously, he set it up where Kleinfeld wasn't going to have bullets, and he saw that guy yeah. there that he thought maybe, you know, whatever. The gangsters chase Carlito through the streets and then into the train station the on foot chase scene took months and months to film took months and months to watch we started the chase in the winter said De palma and finished it in the middle of the summer al pacino's black coat started to cause the actor issues when they were filming the chase from train carriage to train carriage as it was the height of summer i'm sure just sweating he was sweating to death said De palma at one point he said he'd had enough and he actually took the train home <laughs> just leaves <laughs> The Italians pursue Carlito through the city subway system and into Grand Central Terminal, where they all engage in a massive gunfight. They're going on and off the trains. I love the heavyset fat gangster huffing and puffing. (laughs) So many moving pieces. You have the other people on the train trying to get in and out of off and on the train yeah. and different jam ups and there keeps being it's like about to be the moment and then something happens then and then like all police. of a sudden there's a bunch of police yeah. around or there's a bunch of teenagers in the way then you have Pachanga he's been sent to bring Gail so then they're coming down an escalator right all these different things are happening all at once it's very tense but in a very different way from how somebody like right. the Safties would do it it's all very the De Palma style yes De Palma wanted to shoot the climax of the film at the World Trade Center in New York, but it was a target of the recent That's right. bombing. Yeah, and he had to shoot in quote another railway station again. De Palma's The Untouchables yeah. also featured the big railway station right. climax. Yeah, so he wasn't thrilled about that. That part, I I was like, this is some interesting crossover with The Untouchables. Yeah, it was not the original intent, yeah. but they make the most of it. Totally, it turns into its own thing. And obviously everyone knows about the climactic scene in The Untouchables, which De Palma took from, what is that movie? The Battle of Potankin or whatever that one is. I don't know. It's an homage. Yeah. But I would say that recent online chatter, recent online discussions, I think Carlito's Way has worked its way into that discussion too, where mm-hmm. people mention this train sequence just as much as anything else, especially if they're talking about the highlights of De Palma's career and the most artistic stuff he's done. The several minute steady cam shot in the railway station was initially meant to end with it revealing Al Pacino. They only had one chance to make the shot work due to scheduling and the lengthy time it would take to reset. The shot went just as they wanted, except at the very end when a miscue between the AD and the steady cam operator resulted in him panning to Pacino before he was ready. As such, the shot didn't end the way they wanted. So they filmed a cutaway to another character and then revealed Pacino in another shot. I just love how it all wraps up oh, where yeah. he's laying on the escalator. I know. That part is so fucking cool. Definitely seems to me like the most iconic shot of the movie because it's unexpected. 
Yeah, there's multiple escalators going up, and then he's on an escalator going down next to a bunch of escalators going up. Several of the gangsters are going up. Mm-hmm. He's trying to sneak by going down, so he's crouching down, almost laying on the escalator as it's going past the other guys. However, up above them on the other floor is the fat guy who hasn't caught up with everyone. Right. He looks down and sees Pacino, which then leads to all kinds of gunshots, yes. him shooting up at the fat guy, him shooting over at those other guys on the other escalators. It's a whole thing. Yeah, and he really takes them all out, basically. He at least shoots all four of them. Yeah. They can't shoot him. Yeah. I guess. He's just in a spot where it's really difficult, and they don't know where he is exactly at first. It was a big-time headache for film editor oh, sure. Bill Pankow to yeah. do this because you have to cut away to enough stuff but at the right moments to convince people that he could be on the escalator for this long. Yeah, yeah. Because he is kind of on the escalator for like a minute right. or two, and he'd probably be only be on there for like 20 seconds. Yeah. Carlito manages to kill all of his pursuers except Vinny, whom the police ultimately finish off. As Carlito races to meet Gale and catch the train, Pachanga meets him first and they run together. He makes it on time. But wearing a De Palma-esque murder disguise is none other than Benny Blanco from the Bronx waiting for an ambush. Yeah, well, when he's running towards the train, yeah, you see another random person running next to him. Yes. It's enough that you're like, why would this other person be running? But there's so much chaos going on. Exactly. Because there's that part chase. when the police are picking up yeah. him to take him to Norwalk. You can see that guy following them on the street for blocks right. before it actually gets to the part where they all reveal themselves. Yeah. You just sort of notice these things in the background. And so, yeah, you're so keyed up on this ending and you're thinking, oh, shit, he's actually going to make it. Maybe forgetting the opening yeah. of the film. Maybe right. you've forgotten that sequence. Or there's an, they've introduced enough doubt that even if you remember, you're like, well, maybe you're hoping against hope, but you kind of feel like, well, maybe that wasn't actually what happens. Yeah, maybe that was just the version of what Gail was talking about in the yeah. apartment, and that's what they've avoided somehow. But Benny fatally shoots Carlito with a silenced gun because this other random person right there, because he's wearing enough of a disguise where it's not even remotely crossing yeah. your mind that it could be this Benny Blanco guy. Pachanga then admits to Carlito that he is now working for Benny. Carlito was warned several times about Pachanga's potential discontent over it money. It is weird. It is weird that Sosa calls all this stuff out, and there's not even like an attempt that we see from Carlito to try to yeah. smooth things over, see if there's something he can do to. You know, I took it to be happiness. that he's just so busy that he never gets around to it. Yeah, that he was gonna try to make it right at some point. He calls him Hermano, brother, yeah, several yeah. times, right. but. There's a lot of chaos going on with Kleinfeld. Totally. He doesn't think that he would need to question the loyalty, but it ultimately ends up being a stupid move by Pachanga because Benny then shoots Pachanga dead as well. I was thinking about just being a random innocent bystander at the subway that night. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You just cut to the random old lady. Only in New York. (laughs) Just dead people everywhere throughout the subway. Police. Really? This is like a separate incident, but it's involving people who were involved in the other incident. Except the reality is like nowadays you'd walk around these places and there's constant military presence, guys with like heavy artillery patrolling <laughs> these. Yeah, in a post 9-11 world. Yeah. And now we've headed back to where we were way, way back at the beginning. 
Carlito then hands a tearful gale the money and tells her to escape with her unborn child and start a new life. He is wheeled away on a gurney to be taken to the hospital. As he dies, Carlito stares at a billboard with a Caribbean beach and a picture of a woman. The billboard then comes to life in his mind, and the woman, now Gale, starts dancing. As we fade into the closing credits, which for some reason have brought back You Are So Beautiful. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> the Palma was really in on using that. Yeah. It's definitely a weird choice. Yeah. Charlie. Don't leave me, Charlie. Not yet, Charlie. No, don't leave me. Don't leave me, Charlie. Don't go, Charlie. Oh, Charlie. Sorry, boys. All the stitches in the world can't sew me together again. Lay down. Lay down. Gonna stretch me out in Fernandez funeral home on 109th Street. Always knew I'd make a stop there. But a lot later than a whole gang of people thought. Last of the Mohicans. Well, maybe not the last. Gail's gonna be a good mom. New, improved Carlito Brigante. Hope she uses the money to get out. No room in this city for big hearts like us. Sorry, baby. I tried the best I could. Honest. Can't come with me on this trip, though. Getting the shakes now. Last call for drinks. Bars closing down. Sun's out. Where we going for breakfast? Don't want to go far. Rough night. So what are your wrap-up thoughts? Hmm. What are your teas? I'm glad I dove into it because... Well, I, you had to because yeah. it was a listener request. I know, but I don't know what it was. I just always sort of had an unfair negative bias towards it. Like, I, Not like, oh, I mean, I bet this sucks, but it felt like a throwaway entry in Pacino's career without me knowing anything about <laughs> it. Okay? That's just the way it felt. 
I get what you mean, though, yeah. because there's a few of those movies, and Pacino's in some of them, De Niro's in some of them, and some of them are good, yeah, and some of them are okay. There's probably ten to twelve of them, and Pacino and De Niro are not in all of them. Don't right, get me wrong, right. but they're sort of that B class. Wasn't there like a Michael Cimino one that seems like it's kind of similar? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's funny that you said that because. You're the dragon. Yeah, that might have been what I was. The view about. from one of the apartments in that was very similar to the view from Kleinfeld's. But mm. that's really the only thing that I thought was super similar about the movie. Well, it's just associating this world of like gangster movies over a certain time period. I was thinking more a Bronx Tale. Yeah. Donnie Brasco. Yeah, that's that comes to mind. Which comes later, obviously, right. but seventies. Yeah. Lower tier gangsters, not mm. the main guys. Which most gangster movies ultimately end up being even Goodfellas. Yeah, it's not really the top people. That's really just like The Godfather mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, I think that De Palma being the one to direct the film makes it stand out. If Definitely. a different director worked with this material, I think oh, it would yeah. be a well liked but mostly forgotten well, entry, more akin to Sea of Love. A combination of De Palma and Sean Penn bringing this insane performance to the movie. Because yeah. there's definitely a very by-the-numbers feel that this could have. Yeah. Like I said, I yeah. think Sea of Love comes to mind. A Pacino movie that's very good and enjoyable, but is not yeah. considered something super special or anything. Bregman was surprised about some of the negative reviews, but stated that some of the same reviewers have since, quote, retracted their views upon further discussions of the film a few weeks Before the film's premiere, De Palma told the crew not to get their hopes up about the film's reception. (laughs) He correctly predicted that Pacino, having just won an Oscar, would be criticized. Kep, having just done Jurassic Park, would, quote, suck. Penn would be, quote, brilliant because he had not done anything for a while. And he himself, having not been forgiven for the bonfire of the vanities, would not quite be embraced. Oh, yeah. De Palma. Finger on the pulse of how people react to things. A prequel based on Edwin Torres's first novel was released direct to video in 2005 with the title Carlito's Way, Rise to Power. Ah, yes. Critically panned, the film nevertheless received Torres's blessing as an accurate adaptation of the first novel, which I guess would be Carlito's Way, the book, when he's younger and coming up in life. Puff Daddy is amongst the cast. I think that's all you need to know about Carlito's Way, Rise to Power. Yeah. Samples from Carlito's Way, though, have been used many times by many bands, including Slipknot and Overkill. Carlito's threatening monologue was sampled for the intro in Brooklyn's Finest by Jay-Z, featuring the Notorious B.I.G. Oh, yeah. The line, Here Comes the Pain, was sampled in the introduction to the Slipknot song, quote sick s-i-c in parentheses i don't know what i don't i don't listen to slipknot (laughs) off their 1999 debut album they're getting a lot of coverage on this episode though well i found that to be sort of amusing i didn't i would not have thought that slipknot of all bands would be involved with carlito yeah that's a good point but here we are so thanks to thomas for the listener request as always you can reach out on x slash twitter at greatest pod or email greatestpod at gmail.com to get in your own listener requests. They do cost money, but we will go through all of that with you. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. So now it's time to get to 
a couple segments to close us out. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Matt, do you have any recommendations? I do, actually. I have one that is streaming, although I watched it on physical media. And speaking of Michael Cimino, I watched his early film, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, with Clint Eastwood and Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. had a really good time with it. It's kind of weird tonally, but it is like a super fun crime movie. It is streaming on Prime and Tubi right now. I watched okay. the uh, Kino Lorber Blu-ray. That's all you're going to tell us to convince the listeners to check it out? Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> really embracing the recommendation format. I really think you should fun watch with it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any, so I guess I can't be that critical. Okay. I don't have any recommendations this week, but we do have email to read. All right. All right. All right, you go ahead. You go ahead, you keep it secret. But you remember this. When you control the mail, you control information. I'm actually going to read two from the same person because I thought his follow-up was also worthy of reading. This week's email comes to us from Peter, who the other listeners will probably remember as requesting Malcolm X earlier this year. Yeah, we do love us some Peter. But Peter actually chimed in with some thoughts on not Malcolm X, but a different film, a different listener request. Peter writes, I first saw Prisoners while on a first date with a girl I met online. Wow. I wish I could take credit for choosing Prisoners as a first date, but I think it was her idea. So anyway, I pick up the girl at her house and right off the top, let's just say she didn't look like the pictures she had on her profile page. (laughs) Tales all this time. (laughs) But here's the crazy part. She was laughing during the movie. Oh, wow. Laughing during Prisoners. And not just (laughs) laughing, she was cackling loudly. Oh, no. And the more intense the scene, the louder she laughed. During the scene where Keller's wife is lying in bed crying about the loss of her daughter, condemning Keller for failing to protect his family, that was a real guess. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. (laughs) How do you laugh at a movie this intense, this powerful? Needless to say, that was the end of the romance 10-plus years later, and it still puzzles me. (laughs) Well, my response to Peter was basically, that is crazy. That is an incredible story. You do wonder if there was like a certain amount of weed smoking going on or something before departing for the movie. Yeah, it's either a sign of mental illness or maybe being fucked up in some way on some kind of a substance. I will say, though, that laughing through intense or upsetting things is a mechanism but and i have done that Mm -hmm. and do it oh yeah and sometimes there is humor in how fucking weird and twisted or messed up something can be yes actually i think i have some of those experiences with you where you were laughing at things that i was like (laughs) oh and now i find myself doing it (laughs) but prisoners that does not it's so dark (laughs) not that it's so dark i've definitely laughed at things darker but it's so real there yeah. has to be an element of removal from it yeah. where it doesn't seem real at all. And then you can kind of disconnect and, and engage with it. Or it's just something so crazy that it catches you off guard. This is not what Prisoners is. Prisoners is just dreary and depressing and ups- upsetting. I don't really see any room for humor. Mm-hmm. I would agree. It's like if you went on a date to like Manchester by the Sea. I mean, although there are funny parts in that movie, but 
The There's funniest part was us seeing it and those old women talking through the most <laughs> emotional part. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of- Michelle Williams screaming, crying in the streets. Everyone in the theater is locked in except for these four women yeah. right next to us who are talking. We haven't been to uh, that theater in a long time, but there was definitely- I feel like there was a lot of chatter in It was an older clientele yeah, who right. probably their hearing aids needed turned up yeah. or something. I don't know. <laughs> I replied to Peter's email, and then he hit me back, and I wanted to read that one, too, because I thought it could be a yeah. fun discussion, although this is almost something to lead us into thinking about it and then maybe coming back to it someday, because it's too big to just think of right now. Right. He writes, also, like John, I, too, have poured over past episodes, and I've come up with the definitive answer for your most entertaining ep. Wow. And the choice might surprise you. Oh. I'll have to say this. I was surprised. Okay. When we're talking pure entertainment, multiple laugh-out-loud moments, endlessly re-listenable, there can be no other than Titanic. Wow. I love that. I'm glad that it is. It's it's good that it's for a big movie. Just goddamn hilarious. If you haven't listened recently, go back and check out that gem. It never disappoints. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like to I need it. to, yeah. too, because I don't really even remember. I have some flights coming up. I think I'm going to dive into Titanic again. The whole story of how Titanic came to be was kind of funny, too, but we won't share that. Why? I don't even know what you mean. Oh, trying to time it for the birthday yeah, celebration? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It was like a whole year in the making I to know, get that exactly. timed, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was worth it, though, because totally. we actually did get positive feedback from doing Titanic, which yeah. I did not expect the people to care that much, but people well, were it thrilled. It was just such a culturally impactful moment in time, that movie. Sure. Yeah. We have had our favorites over the years. I think uh, when we think of our favorites, though, we think of how entertained we are by the material right, and how right. fun we have, how much fun we have talking about that material. Well, weirdly, Titanic kind of fits the mold of the type of thing that we're able to be like more loose and just have fun with <laughs> things that are aimed at teenage girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's Which, our wheelhouse. I mean, like, I don't know, and I don't even know if this still is true and I listen to the shows a lot less than I used to but like oh jeez well it's just a timing thing it's not like that <laughs> I, I I'm not like oh the content has suffered so bad it's so poor now I can't bear to listen but no, when, no that's just me when I'm <laughs> editing them <laughs> yeah but when people ask me I, I yeah I immediately go to like fear I know what you did last summer because that's the stuff that I just feel like we entertain ourselves yeah. by talking about fear and I know what you did last <laughs> summer and Probably a few other and I feel like Titanic movies. fits that, yeah. I know we've had fun with the OC both times. Mm -hmm. We had fun with Slew Your Shorts and Full House and Give Us a Seconds, which get no downloads. <laughs> for, <laughs> but we're going to keep doing them because we think they're funny. Right. <laughs> that Full House thing we recorded. Varsity Blues also. Oh, I know Peter liked the revisited Reason, Varsity yeah. Blues for sure because I remember he tweeted at us about it. So, yeah. that is a Varsity Blues is a good one. That's... That's definitely our era of material. Yeah, I am uh, re-downloading this Titanic episode now. For uh, me, they're all a blur at a certain point because yeah. I'm going from one into the next, one into the next, and I have to re-listen to the same sentences yeah. so many times that they lose their meaning Like because I'm trying to you know, fix Matt's bullshit or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> Incoherent drivel. So I actually have gotten to the point now where I go back and re-listen to them less than I was too, but that's because... Going through the whole editing process kills off a lot of the joy. 
In fact, it probably would be better if I waited a year after we post the episodes <laughs> to then go back and re-listen and see how I feel about them because I'm too in it when it's happening. Yeah, yeah. But I've thought about doing a give us a second for one of our anniversaries in the future where we pick our favorite episodes, but then I was like, that's so self-indulgent and lame that I don't know yeah. if I really want to do that. Well, plus for either of us to actually do the research. Oh, yeah. Like I you, think listening to them would be horrible. Yeah, you'd have to like just go off your memory, but then there's like nothing good to talk about. If we actually had the time to go back through, I'm sure there's stuff that we completely forgot about that would be funny oh, to everything. us Oh, everything. Well, yeah. Everything. We've forgotten it, <laughs> yeah. believe me. We were still citing the original Halloween 3 episode as a favorite up until we did the revisited Halloween yeah, 3 I episode. Know. But to be fair, in the early days, the few people that listened to the show did like that episode. I would say that in the early days, the first version of Halloween 3 was probably the closest to what we wanted it to be. Yeah. And we were having trouble recapturing that all the time. <laughs> Where, you know, there was just horrific technical difficulties in the middle of it that we left in. <laughs> Well, the content was too good. We couldn't yeah. cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Thomas for the listener request. Once again, our listeners pushing us in a direction that we may not have gotten to on our own. I know that we're definitely going to do more De Palma films. I don't know which ones, though. So mm-hmm. Thomas locked one in for us with Carlito's Way, and it was a fun experiment to do this in the shadow of having done Scarface last year. I think the two movies are very similar. I still prefer Scarface because it's so bombastic and yeah, it's just nuts. You know, Combining Oliver Stone performance. with De Palma is funny. Yeah, <laughs> there's just something about the two of those mentalities oh, mashing yeah. together right. that it just really weird. Just an explosion. But Carlito's Way, I think, is pretty awesome. I assume most of our listeners have probably seen it, but if you haven't, I would recommend checking it out when you get the chance. Because love it or hate it, I think you need to experience De Palma's style and you need to see how it all works and how it makes you feel compared to other filmmakers. Because a lot of filmmakers just do cuts. 99%. If we're going from the second floor to the first floor, why wouldn't we just do a cut? De Palma's like, not only are we not doing a cut, we're backing out the window and then coming down into the first floor all in one move for some reason. (laughs) We don't know why, but we're doing it like that. I know. That Titanic thing was great, though. More more people should write in about what their favorite episode is. (laughs) If you want. We don't need you to just completely suck our dicks (laughs) 24-7. Anything that would inflate Matt's ego. I don't know. It's fun. It's more like a nostalgia thing. It's like fun to go No, I know. I know. I know. I know. I forget about this. And we've been, because especially this year, it's just like a whirlwind. Like, we record so many of these episodes, and it's lost to time like tears and rain. (laughs) Yeah, especially whenever I just delete the show. Yeah. It's definitely going to feel like tears of rain. Yeah. But as long as people keep doing these listener requests, I guess we got to keep doing it. Well, yeah, no so what. that like keeps us locked in. And on that note, that's your reminder. We are already booked into February, so if you're interested, please reach out at greatestpod, greatestpod at gmail.com. We will cover a narrative feature, anything that we haven't already covered, so... If you're not sure, you can always scroll through the archives or feel free to ask. I think if you can come up with two or three choices, though, that's always helpful. Some people still do that. Since it's your money, though, I'm going to let you pick the one you really want. But if you'd rather us do it, then you can present a few choices. That's that's up to you. Anything else, greatestpod at gmail.com. We'd love to read your emails on the show. Thanks to Peter for that email. 
If you'd like a free sticker, you can let us know. And finally, find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983 and Matt Crosby. The most important and crucial thing you can do, as always, is make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Matt, do we have anything else to say? No, I think we covered it all. All right, folks, thanks to Thomas for the listener request. We're counting down the days to the biggest, greatest October you could ever imagine. Hopefully we'll be able to do it. (laughs) It's going to be wild. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.
We're just normal men. What do you mean, normal men? We're just innocent men. 